Mrs. Ann Robertson, the pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from yesterday, which was September 24th, 2006, and it's the second in a three-part series on calling. The sermon title yesterday was just plain, is God calling, or God is calling you. It's not a question, it's a statement. And the text really that it's based on, you'll hear the gospel, which is the calling of the first disciples, but the text is really based on the call of Isaiah found in the first few verses of Isaiah chapter 6. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel, which comes from the gospel of Matthew in the fourth chapter, verses 18 through 22. As Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And before you sit down, stay standing up for a second. All right, three sections, balcony here and here, four sections, and the back. Okay, if you're in the, the chairs or behind, that's section four. So, section one, up in the balcony. If you have ever tried to imitate a bird call, Sit down. That may, I hope, probably do pretty well. Okay, section two over here. If you've ever lost your religion over the call of an umpire or a referee, sit down. (laughs) 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 Thou shalt not lie. (laughs) Okay, over in this section. If you've ever fallen or dropped something trying to get to a ringing phone, sit down. (laughs) Okay, back up in the balcony. If you've ever ignored a ringing phone because you knew who it was, sit down. Oh, the chairs. (laughs) Okay, over, over here. If you've ever picked up a phone and said something stupid because you thought you knew who it was, sit down. (laughs) okay all the rest of you have you ever stayed home from some place you really wanted to go because you were expecting an important phone call ever sat by a phone waiting for somebody to call Francois (laughs) have you ever used the phone Good job. (laughs) I took you through that just as a reminder of all the different kinds of calls that we hear and how important a call can be. We've all experienced one kind of call or another, some we hate to get, some we're really looking forward to. And the call of God that Anita read for us to Isaiah in the sixth chapter of his book is one of the more famous ones in Scripture. Isaiah's call doesn't come from the phone, it comes from a vision where he sees God way up high on a throne 
And God's kingly robe is so huge that just the hem of it fills the entire temple. There were all these strange beasts with lots of wings who were attending to God and proclaiming God's holiness with such power that the temple itself shook and it filled with smoke. Now, most of us can't claim to have that kind of wild experience. But for those of us who choose to pay attention to our spiritual lives, we can often point at least to several aha moments on our spiritual journey. And the initial one of those, the one that usually propels us to begin a spiritual walk in the first place, is usually the realization that the existence of God is a very real possibility. Maybe we'd never considered that before. But something happens that makes us say, you know, there might actually really be a God. Maybe it's being out in nature and saying, random, completely random? Does it really make sense? Whatever it is, we ask that question and think of God as possibly real. We might not be sure. We might not know anything at all about the nature of that God. But suddenly God becomes real enough that we feel compelled to investigate a little bit more. We often move from there to a conviction that there is a God. And unfortunately, a lot of people stop their spiritual journey right there. They figure that if they've reached the destination of believing in God, they're done. So they sit down on a bench by the side of the road and never take another step. Sometimes they don't go further because they think that's all there is. And frankly, it seems kind of boring. If the first experience of God has been more powerful, some might refuse to continue for the same reason that Isaiah stopped in his tracks. God seems too overwhelming or scary or holy, and it seems like a safer idea maybe to keep God at arm's length. After all the shaking and smoking in Isaiah's vision, Isaiah cries out, Woe is me! I'm a man of unclean lips, and I come from a people of unclean lips, and I've seen God, and I am toast. When confronted with the glory of God, the first thing Isaiah becomes aware of is his own sinfulness, both individually and in the nation to which he belongs. And he's scared. He doesn't think there's a chance for repentance. He thinks this is the end of the road for me. Of course, it isn't. And it isn't for us either. Whether we're bored or whether we're scared, if we've reached the point of a basic belief in God, but haven't gone any further, we're still in the spiritual driveway. And if you pull out onto the road for just a minute, I'll tell you about the second aha moment that usually comes in the spiritual journey. That moment is the discovery that God is calling each of us by name, our phone number, our address, specifically us. And that's the place that I want to focus on for this morning. Next week, we'll look at what God does with that and how God prepares us and equips us to do whatever God has called us to do. But none of that matters 
unless we first realize that God's calling us, that God has something to say, not just to everybody, but specifically to us. So the one realization I want you to leave with today is God is calling me. It's not that God has put out a general call and you can respond if you want. It's not that God's calling on a payphone and anybody walking by can answer it. God is calling you personally at home on your cell. Isaiah's vision isn't being played in theaters across Israel. Isaiah's vision is for Isaiah, specifically for him. And one of those seraphs with all of those wings is coming and touching his lips and not anybody else's. Often when we in the church talk about calling, we tend to focus on the work that God calls us to do. And there is a job and a purpose for each one of us. That can happen, especially in ordained ministry. We're always talking about my call. When I went through the ordination process, every last group I met with for several years said, so tell me about your call to ministry. And we'd have to go through all of that. We call it our vocation, which comes from the Latin word for calling. But calling in the religious sense isn't so much about what we do. First and foremost, it's about who we do it for. Calling makes no sense without there first being a caller. We are called to be in relationship with God. That's the essence of our calling. If you want a business and work metaphor, you can say that calling is not about your job title. It's about your employer. It's about the company or the school or the place for whom you work. God is the employer who wants to have you on the company team. There can be any number of jobs within that, and you might move around within the company. The job and the specific calling might not be the same, probably will not be the same throughout your life. But the employer is the one who calls you and who wants you specifically you, to be in a relationship that will go on forever. God will provide all the training that you need. God will even start you out with a year or two paid leave if you're having a personal or family crisis and need to have some healing in your life before you can actually do the work to which God has called you. You can discuss the actual job duties later. God just wants to make you a lifetime partner in the firm. Guaranteed employment. If it gets so that you can't do the first assignment anymore, there'll be another one. You'll never be laid off, fired, or forced to retire. You're being called simply because God thinks you are great and wants to have you around. If we make the mistake of equating calling with a specific line of work, we run a huge loss, we run the risk of a huge loss of meaning and purposelessness if our circumstances change and we can't do that task anymore. I often say that I'm called to preach the word of God. And it's true that being in the pulpit and trying to make God's word accessible to everyone is my current job assignment from God. I have no doubt of that whatsoever. Felt it when I was 14, and God said, do this. And 
by the time I was 35, I finally got around to doing it. But it's misleading to say that that is my calling. My calling above and below and around all of that is to be in relationship with God and to say yes to whatever thing that God has for me to do. One of the most common questions that I get as a pastor is some form of, well, how do I know that God is speaking? How do I tell God's voice from all the other voices that are out there? And there are certainly plenty of them. And unfortunately, there's not some kind of magic answer to that. The voice of God doesn't always start with a little angel choir singing in the front or something that says, this is God now, pay attention. Unfortunately, it's a growth process. The only way to really come to know God's voice is by getting to know God through, the, through experience, through the spiritual disciplines, through talking to other people to say, well, how do you figure it out? How does God speak to you? There isn't an automatic caller ID every time God calls. If you think about how you know other people's voices, you're in your office and you hear a voice out in the hall, if you don't recognize it, you may have to go out there and see who it is. After you've gone out there four times and it's been the same person every time, then the next time you hear that voice, aha, that's so-and-so. But it comes by the experience and by the intentionality of going out in the hall to say, is that you? Who is that? I know when God is speaking to me because I recognize the voice from my experience. And that's one of the reasons we need each other. We're all at different points along our spiritual walk. And we may need the equivalent of going out in the hall, which sometimes is asking someone with a little more experience. God just told me to go and mow down all of my neighbors with a shotgun. Do you think that was the voice of God? <laughs> when you're in Christian community and not trying to go it on your own, the community can say, uh, no, I really don't think that is the voice of God. Uh, there are commandments about that, and that's not the sort of thing that God says. So we have this combination of our own experience and checking that out with Christian community. And in that way, we grow and we learn to recognize the voice. When we're on the road of our spiritual walk, there's always somebody that's in front of us, and there's always someone who's not quite as far along. And part of what Christian community is about is having a handout in both of those directions all the time. Finding those people who are a li little bit further along, at least in some ways, and hanging on to them and saying, what do you think? But also being there for the people who haven't come quite as far as you have, so that they have someone to ask and to relate to. And in that great chain of the communion of saints and the church as the body of Christ, we can all move forward at our own pace. At this point in my spiritual life, I know God's voice pretty well. But my problems now don't come because I don't recognize the voice. They come because I know what the voice is likely to say and I don't want to hear it saying, no, oh, no, I think I'll just keep busy, not go out in that hall, nope, not going not gonna to do that. Isaiah was sure that if God spoke, it was going to be his doom. 
but it wasn't. God responded to Isaiah's overweening guilt with a ritual cleansing. And the words that God spoke were not words of condemnation, but words of forgiveness. Your guilt has departed and your sin has been blotted out, the seraph says. And then it comes. Once Isaiah is really ready to listen, his fears have subsided about what God is going to say. And what he gets is not a command, but an offer. Whom shall I send? Ask God. And who will go for me? Isaiah steps up to the plate, and God gives him a message for the people. A message that will go on through the rest of his book to predictions of a suffering servant who will blot out the transgressions of Israel, just like the seraph blotted out Isaiah's sins with a burning coal. God is calling you by name. Can you hear it? Will you hear it? It's the call that will change your life and perhaps the lives of others. It's not going to go away. If the line is busy, God will call back. If the phone is always busy, God will try the door, email, all kinds of things. God is calling you. Have you ever really answered? Have you ever finally just stopped and said, Okay, I'm not sure what or where or how, but here I am. I'm ready to go. The purpose of your life is waiting to be fulfilled. And God can accomplish it whether you're 10 or 50 or 100 years old. God wants you on the team. What's your answer going to be? Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. I'd love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at annrobertson.com. Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings. Thank you.